Hello, it's Timmy Gibson here with you for The Timmy Gibson Show. I have a clip from the full podcast that is also posted here on my podcast, but it's a full episode. This little 30-minute segment is was so important and so good that I wanted to post it separately. And it's my interview with therapist Grant Wood from Resonate Family Counseling here in Kansas City. And we talk about a lot of things uh, in the full episode, which I highly recommend the full episode. But this 30-minute segment is all about grief and loss. And this is a great subject, uh, especially really in, in this day and age, in this time, with everything that's going on in the world, just you know, loss of a loss of interactions with other people, maybe a loss of a job, you know, loss. Of course, we talk about loss of, of a relationship, loss of, of a family member, and uh, talk about grief and grief recovery. Very, 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 very fascinating and very helpful, very heart, heartfelt. So uh, without further ado, uh, we'll buckle down for about 30 minutes and hear my conversation with Grant Wood. All right, and we're back. Uh, we were talking about accountability. Um, the The other question that I've, I've, I guess, struggle with being uh, working with people and and grief counseling and and or grief, you know, what I would do is like pastoral grief counseling. Yeah. Um, I found yeah. I found it interesting. This is why I, I I wanted to get your perspective on this, just because. Uh, you know, of your, your training, your background, and of course, all the people you work with, what is it in us humans that there is this necessity to, to put a reason why someone died? Like, you know, God needed an angel. And so he took her, God was protecting her from a, a bad life. So he took her or him, or, you know, God wanted to, it, it's like, and I, and I won't, mention any particular stories, but there are stories that I've heard that it's just even so much as like God told me that he took him or her for this reason. And I'm just like, what is it in people that they need to have a reason that makes them feel good about death, which isn't really, I don't, is it good? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, how can you just, how can you add any kind of story to the death of a loved one or of a family member or a friend to make you now feel good about it. Yeah. I mean, comfort, we, we all need comfort and grief. What complicates it is I think in our culture, we have a, we have a resistance to really expressing negative emotion, the, the guts of it. Yeah. And we're some are quick to find and what's comforting to them is an explanation of it fitting it into their theology. You know, ancient people knew that in grief, what's necessary apart from our theology or how we imagine where that soul goes or what happens to it is to feel the loss is yeah. to open up the only way through this for us. They actually even believed that grieving and, and allowing that emotion, the extent like it, it that's what sends our ancestor to where they need to go. Like they yeah. believed that our grief was like a canoe that they traveled in to where they need to go in this next world. Interesting. 
And so it was a given that you're going to feel this fully. That's, and that's what, that's what is required given who this person was yeah. not to, we go more in the West to kind of a denial, like death as a whole, we're, we're so insulated from death, a, an amazing book. Um, that opened my eyes to this topic of like death, grief, human suffering, um, how we die by Sherwin Newland and you and just talking about the harsh realities of death and the human body. And like, I believe now the only appropriate way to grieve, like we, our, our grief isn't complete without anger, tears, sadness. And there are some who their script about, like my faith is strong because I don't feel negative emotion. So that's where those quick answers come from. Well, God needed them there more than the those, you know, they're in a better place. Like those are just mantras that get plugged in when we find it difficult to feel and allow our pain. I think I think about it. I know that when my, my sister died, um, gosh, five, six years ago now, um, you know, it was, it was a drug overdose. She, you know, it was, she was in her forties. And so I know I didn't handle the grief well now. And, and, and what I've learned is that if you don't handle grief well, you know, it can turn into negative behavior, you know, and, and definitely, um, slippages of character. You know, I mean, it can definitely, at least for me, how it worked was I didn't handle that well. And it, it seeped out in, in not such great ways. Um, and then when I finally came to allow myself to grieve and to, to be sad and to, to go into those dark places, because I, I would, you know, I kind of pride myself on, I'm an eternal optimist. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, you know, uh, maybe almost, I don't know to a fault is the right way to say it, but almost like, I'm just like, I would have, I would have been the guy on the Titanic as it was sinking saying, it's going to be all fine. We're all going to be fine. It's okay. We're good. Like we're good. <laughs> A little chilly. We're <laughs> it's a little cold. That water's wet. Yikes. Once you get in, it's, it's okay. <laughs> you go numb. It's fine. Uh, that's just my Watch personality. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's it. Uh, so I know that's uh, for whatever reason that's in me and I've learned to, to, um, hopefully I'm learning to balance that, to be more honest that if I am sad to go, to turn into that sadness. I'll never forget. You know, I worked with Laura Wolf. Um, Thank you, Laura Wolf. Yeah. Props Laura, to Laura Wolf. I did an interview with her. It was, it was a good one, but uh, Listen, yeah, she, props to Laura Wolf. She really helped me through and I'll never forget. I, uh, in working with her, I was, I was driving somewhere and I just felt this overwhelming sense of emotion and I'll never forget this moment. I, I called her cause I was just, I was very distraught and I called her and, and she could tell you, know, I was very she could tell that tears were right there in my throat. You know, my throat was hurting me. It was burning. And she said, Timmy, just go feel it, turn into it, go ahead and feel that sadness. And I would always bombard these sad feelings with it's all good. It's going to be fine. You know, you're, it's great now. Like I was always trying to, it's all fine. Don't cry. It's all good. And she just said, no, turn into it. And Grant, <laughs> I turned into it. I literally pulled over. I got out of my car and was heaving yeah i mean i was heaving and i i literally thought i was gonna die i was so sad and so grief stricken yes that i 
I, I did. I thought I was going to not be able to catch my breath and then I was going to die in some <laughs> random fucking parking lot between here and Lawrence. Yep. And that was it. People were going to find me like, what the fuck happened to this guy? He got out and he right. just died. It was a huge breakthrough. It, it was. That's it, full body grief. Yeah. And she was right. And of course you said this stuff too, but she was right in. She looks better saying it. Right. <laughs> and she was so right that by allowing it to work through me and out of me, it, it released it rather than shoving it, shoving it, shoving it. And, and man, it, it was, I, yeah, it was, it was so profound. I, I don't even know how to put like it even right now. I'm like, I don't even know how to, to say it except yeah. that it, it opened the floodgates and it released the poison or the grief, the grief, the pain. It just released yeah. this pain and this grief the feeling of the pain. Huh? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's how we're, we're, emotion is meant to be expressed when we don't, Yeah, that's a recipe for depression, anxiety. Yeah. But grief. Yeah. We, we struggle to let ourselves fully grieve. We, we, keep our composure i think it's fine it's it's perfectly fine to think of think of a loved one as being in a better place imagining them in a that's healing as well that's also sure. a not to say that that's not a good part of grief or a healthy part but it's imbalanced without the the rage the pain the anger the questions you know god can handle our anger about the loss of a loved one and our numbness and our our sense of loss and it's healthy for us as humans to feel it fully. Yeah. But again, there were, everyone's gotten messages about whether if it's not from our families, it's sometimes it's from spiritual leaders who tell us what emotions are appropriate to express and what is it. Yeah. Whereas here's Jesus cussing people, breaking their stuff in anger. And it was right. Yeah. It was righteous. Jesus right. wept, even though he knew Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. Like right. here's this example of you feel you feel this, yeah. You know we have to, yeah. But um, yeah, that's where family conditioning comes in a lot. Like I know in my own family, we were way more geared towards positive emotions only. Me too. And yeah. so giving ourselves permission to show rage or sadness or tears, it it was hard to do. Yeah. And it yeah, it's taken a lot of work to allow that. Men men are just as emotional as women. But often our conditioning is so anti-expression, yeah. you know, but there's nothing more awesome to see men allowing themselves to finally fully feel what they need to. Yeah. That's, that's true. Masculinity is putting out yeah. masculinity yeah. puts out emotion. Yeah. I don't think I ever, uh, until that moment, would I say I, I ever like fell apart, you know, like, and oddly falling apart was the best part for me to put myself back together. Yeah, absolutely. And when I did just allow myself to completely come to, I went into pieces and completely fell apart, completely was hopeless. You know, it's funny. I told someone this the other day and we were talking about um, suicide and, and different things. And I said, there's, there's two things in life that, that I've never understood. And now there's only one thing, but there's two things in life I've never understood. One is, is homosexuality only because I have a lot of friends that are gay. It's just, I'm not gay. So I can't understand, I can't wrap my mind around how like I would be attracted to a man. It's just like, I just never have had that thought. And the other thing that I could never imagine was suicide mm -hmm. until I went through the darkest day in my life. And I never, I never 
contemplated actually committing suicide, but, but the thought of, if I was diagnosed with cancer and given a week to live, there was almost peace in that. Like, let me stop breathing. It was a yes. weird, it was the weirdest. Cause I've never, ever, ever, ever had that feeling before where the thought of death almost seemed good. Like yeah. it was like, it was like a gift. Like it was like you, in a, a way, reward. You, in a way you do die. You know, grief, grief really is a death felt yeah. and experienced. Even if our body's here, and grief is a glimpse of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a lot more uh, compassion and understanding when people uh, struggle with that. Um, yeah. Just like that was just the first time in my life where I ever was like, huh, so, okay. I can see how that, ha like, I can see how that can happen now. Yeah. You know, um, we have to learn how to grief and anger. They, they need to make noise to really come out. They have, it's, you don't just exhale out that kind of pain. It's gotta be big. Yeah. That's where people like Laura Wolf, you know, different therapists, grief workers, that's the value is kind of helping birth people into grief, like, you know, allowing for that expression and then knowing that oh, I'm not going to die. One of my favorite professors in my uh, mental health training said that living life well is mostly about being able to have good goodbyes. Yeah. Full bodied grief you know, embracing that pain yeah. going on with it. I, I think they were very right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's an uncomfortable, um, I've experienced people in grief and, you know, as a, as a former, not now, but as a former pastor, you're still doing, pastor. yeah, I'm it's a spiritual different. teacher, just, yeah, different. just different. Um, yeah, if you're in Kansas City, a shameless plug. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pilgrim's Chapel, Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. The Mercy Community Gatherings. It's awesome, uh, which I can't wait to have you share next next year. Um, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just going to show up and sit there and yeah. soak it in. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been good. It's been nice to remove any box. I'm not in a box. Like uh, last week I taught on Marcus Aurelius and this week will be part two of the 10 things that, that can lead to happiness. It's rich, rich, rich. I mean, it's yes. not, you know, it's not my thinking and it, it's just rich. You know, the week before that I taught about Jesus. It's <laughs> just, good, man. It's just good. Come yeah. Come be a pilgrim. Yeah. Absolutely. Pilgrim, pilgrim and it's the us. cutest little chapel. You ever. have to wear, you know, Timmy does want everyone to wear a pilgrim hat. There's, it's, there is a dress code. <laughs> Um, and, a, and in, you know, a very strict set of, of rules that are going to be unrolled as soon as more people get there. He's, That's right. Because, you know, it's like, it's, why is everybody is, wearing right, white robes? It's absolutely going to be a cult. We're working on that. <laughs> no, so everybody wants to wear your white robe. It is a safe, good place to be. Yeah. 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 Just come be human together. Right. Absolutely. That's what I felt. I'll come back. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, going to this grief thing, it, it's such an uncomfortable thing. I think that's one reason why I had always, I didn't like it. You know, I didn't, I don't like, I don't like feeling sad. Nope. I don't, I don't like it. It's I don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, I like feeling happy. In fact, I've noticed this is true with my, my physical body. Um, you know, I'm 51. I feel great. I, there's nothing that I couldn't do if I wanted to Thank mm -hmm. the good Lord in heaven. Um, and any time, even as much as, I mean, I'm learning about myself, even as much as like a, I stub my toe 
it fucks with me. Like it really fucks with me because it's like, I like feeling good and I don't like any kind of pain, any kind of discomfort. Uh-huh. I don't like, are you a seven on the Enneagram? Um, I'm a helper and a two. perfectionist two. Is it two and three? Two, one. Oh, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. Ones. Yeah. One, well, ones and twos both that's that struggle to really embrace pain versus enjoy or help or do something. Yeah. 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 Sevens, especially like you don't sevens want to strongly avoid negative emotion and <laughs> enjoy the good times, but yeah, actually I think my daughter is a seven could be Shaylee. Yeah. I think she's a seven and I can actually attest mm-hmm. to that would be true. Mainly. Don't rain on their parade, man. No, that's what they don't want. <laughs> don't ruin my good time. And don't tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh gosh. Uh, on grief, one of the one of the best books I've read. Um, it's kind of a magical book. Uh, is called The Smell of Rain on Dust. Oh, that and it's by good. Martin Prechtel. P P R E C H T E L. I first heard about. It. I went to a Glenn Phillips concert. Actually. It was Glenn Phillips. He was playing in Pilgrim Chapel. Oh, it was really? In that chapel. Okay. And um, he had just gone through a divorce. It was just him. He, he was the lead singer for Toad the Wet Sprocket. For those of you who didn't <laughs> grow up in the '90s at all, right? Such a one of my favorite bands. I got to go hear him, and he mentioned this book. And then, uh, you know, I could just tell, like, he's going through a real overhaul in his life. But I, I got that book and read it and just profoundly connected to that book, and which talks about, you know, uh, ancient tradition, um, the way we, the way people in ancient cultures thought about grief and worked with grief. It's really about the relationship between grief and praise. Everything that we praise, we will one day grieve, and everything that we grieve is something that praised and how, how they're related to each other. And so, um, fantastic book. And the, the other one I would recommend, um, a good friend of mine, Beth Slevkov, she lives in California. She's a, she's a hippie surfer chick out in California, an old soul. And, um, her book is, um, broken hallelujahs, which is, you know, it's coming from a, a, more, a Christian tradition. But what I like is it doesn't just talk about grief. It gives people ways to pray in their grief, um, practices to embrace that are, that, that, that allow for a full expression of emotion, yeah. not just, you know, think of them in a better place. Like this is stuff for anyone who's really in the depths of grief to grab hold of. Yeah. All those books have been really meaningful to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful thing, Grant, that to to allow yourself to have various emotions. I know this is one thing you worked with me on is I struggled with showing anger. It yeah. it I I've I have always prided myself on being a nice, sweet, kind person and to be gentle and all those things. And so um I would bottle up, I'd be angry, which then that turned into resentment. So if I was angry with you, I would never express it directly. Uh, It would just churn within me. And then I would indirectly do something almost subconsciously to express my anger rather than directing my anger at you and saying, I don't fucking like that you're doing that. Stop doing that. Right. I would grow bitter and then do something that would actually say the same thing. Passive Passive aggressive. And it would hurt you deeply very subconscious is, you know, I've learned this about myself. So now I will express 
anger. Like I'll say, you know what? Stop doing, I don't like that. And like, yeah, you're like, pissing me off. Yeah, you're pissing me off. That's not cool. Whereas before, yeah, it would just be a very underground. Mm-hmm. And so that's been so helpful in my friendships and my relationships to be, you know, I'm still kind about it, but I just, I'll speak my truth. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah like I don't like, don't fucking do that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We're taught that anger is kind of an inappropriate emotion, but it's essential. It's um, when, when someone has like myself and you also, I mean, everything you and I talked about were things I was working on as well and still am, but anger, depending on your conditioning around anger and, and mine was really, there's no place for anger. It doesn't help anyone. Know, but so I had a lot of pain. I'm a nine Enneagram nine. We're the experts on stuffing our anger, right? Yeah. So had to do a lot of work in in breath work and from giving myself permission to really let that come out. Almost really have to kind of beat that out of my heart to get it to emerge. And now I do fire breath, which Ooh. is a great way to provoke it. I mean, you turn on some loud music and you start to fire breathe, and it's coming. Something's coming up. And it may start with rage and and usually it ends in, you know, lots of tears curled up on the floor, you know, but it's so healing to get it out. There's a way for those of you who fear that you are carrying a lot of pent up emotion. There are ways to learn how to release that and get it out. That's the good news. Yeah. We don't, we're not stuck with, you know, with that sitting inside of us. Yeah. So this thought on grief, this is so great. I didn't have this in my notes to do, but and maybe you don't remember off the top of your head, the stages of grief and how to, if it, let's just say someone lost something, whether it's a death of a, of a marriage, a death of a relationship or friendship, a death of a loved one, mm-hmm. what would be your counsel and your recommendation to someone that's in the midst of that to, to go through it, in the healthiest of ways possible. Yeah. Well, understanding the stages of grief can be valuable. Like just being able to get a map for like denial, anger, acceptance, bargaining. The problem is, 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 um, the, the stage, I don't believe the stages of grief are sequential. I feel like grief is, is this ongoing companion, one day you can be angry and in shock the next feel some sense of acceptance and the next day be right back at anger again so a lot of us try to do grief well and that doesn't often work like grief is a wild animal it's got a roam and it's got to be expressed and so i would i encourage people to give themselves just a lot of compassion with whatever they're feeling and to and to be able to speak about it and express it yeah you know you can you grieve by going out and eating a sandwich and you grieve by beating the wall and and weeping like it's all it's all a part of the same thing and mm, that's neat so yeah almost back to that teaching we've talked about before no good or bad no good Just, or bad You're, there's not a wrong way to grieve there's really not okay there 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 is like suppressing grief that's unhealthy right but it's not wrong and um, and I believe grief, you know, grief just walks through us throughout our life. Um, it's grieving is not um, bad mental health. It's I think it's essential. Yeah. Depression and anxiety can spin out of grief, especially when it's suppressed. And those are those have to be dealt with. Those those can be dangerous. But grief, grief in itself, it's dramatic. It's intense, but it's healthy. It's so when you good. this is so good, Grant. Okay, so 
when you say that there's no right or wrong way to experience grief, but what you're saying is in the suppression. So I'm going to make something up and you tell me if this is accurate. So what you're saying is you've lost someone. And so you turn to just drinking to put a bandaid over it. You don't Mm -hmm. want to feel that emotion. So you drink, 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 or whatever, or you get into illicit sexual behavior or, or any illicit behavior. You know, you, you finally, you're like, I don't want to sit alone with this grief. So I surround myself with people all the time. Is that what you're saying is that would be a suppression? I'm saying, yeah, I would say that those behaviors in grief make perfect sense and they're going to become unhealthy. You're going to suffer something else because it's just not healthy. Right. You know, so the work is how, how does my grief, you know, how can I be congruent with my health and grieve? Okay. But, but if someone's drinking themselves into a stupor and grief, it's not wrong. Like, interesting. Okay. of course they are. Right. Of course. And what now? Because yeah. when we are not our feelings, like we, we have a, we have an accountability to ourselves to be healthy and to live. So, right. but it's just, yeah. Like telling, telling someone that doing that is inappropriate or wrong. It, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Interesting. You know, there's going to be a shit show. Like grief requires it. Yeah. And it also requires us to live, yeah. you know, to, and to live well. Yeah. And so to walk, to walk with grief and let it be our teacher, let it teach us. Don't let it master us. Yeah. You know, or drive us into addiction. Absolutely. Yeah. The, but, I, but at least, you know what, if, if I had to choose, you know, between like drinking myself into a stupor, you know, and punching holes in the wall versus saying I'm fine and, know they're in a better place and it's all I, good. I do the first one you know the first yeah. one's healthier yeah yeah <laughs> it just in my opinion sure sure well i That's know that when my sister first died i um started drinking more than ever before um it was crown i was drinking crown royal and i would be the typical you know once or twice a weekend you know glass or two of crown royal as a relaxer or whatever now i just smoke weed but um healthier option yeah i love weed i really i really do I'm, I'm a big supporter of marijuana of course i live here in missouri so it's legal it's all good but um i know for me plus i don't have a hangover anyway uh, <laughs> i can thing. i can get stoned and wake up the next day feel like yeah it's a plant yeah and if you want to get biblical about it god created it so, so there exactly you go it's right. god's lettuce people say it's can- the devil's lettuce we it's have the- cannabinoid <laughs> receptors in our bodies we yeah literally like our bodies are designed yeah, it's fascinating. I love that. That's another podcast we need to do. You but, know, you need someone else that's more familiar with that. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. You, you, you need a, another like someone who's further down the road with that than me. Yeah, I'm. I'm um, I've used THC to help me sleep in times of trauma and stress, and it was better than any any drug. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, that's kind of my first experience with that ever in my life. And I thought, you know, this isn't the devil. No, no, it's refreshing. Not. It's not. It's pretty good. It's, it's wonderful. It's pretty dang good. <laughs> you know, it's wonderful. I've, yeah. ne- you know, it's funny. So <laughs> this is this is just part of the conversation. So for me, when I drink alcohol, especially tequila, I I want to do shady shit. Like you start speaking Spanish, I, man. Not only that, I, I like I want to I want to get naked. I want to dance. I want to <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I want to get crazy. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But when I smoke weed it makes me and i don't know if this is the correct word i have such a limited vocabulary but docile like it makes me it subdues me uh-huh, you know yeah. it makes me not want to go do anything crazy it makes yeah. me i want to be safe Sit i down and crack open the dictionary <laughs> like literally it just it calms me and makes me just like it's good. it's a it's a great anti-anxiety yeah it's 
probably one of the better it's better than any synthetic drug for anti-anxiety yeah I know of. it all but the only problem with it is it subdues my sex drive yeah. now sex while you're high no is, you're over sex to start with Tim. <laughs> So it's just going to bring you down to normal. Well, you mean I shouldn't be masturbating 10 times a day? What's up? I thought you, you know, said that was good. If, um, if that's I right want to keep for my you, prostate then, healthy. Your prostate's going to explode. Like, uh, <laughs> so, but you know, it's funny as I've gotten older, as I've gotten older, you know, I think can break. You know? Yeah. I, I had a friend, I had a friend that literally his wife wanted to try some new trick. So she, while they were, she turned around. I know, what trick, I know exactly what trick. And she broke it. Yeah. It broke. She did. It turned all purple. He had to go to the doctor and had to calm down for a while. Can you believe that? It's like, yeah, broke the boner. Man. More power to him. Yeah. <laughs> More power to him. Thank man. God. It, the, the, you know, knock, I'm going to break my dick on this trike. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> can I say dick? Is that, <laughs> Is that appropriate? Yes, of course. I mean, if you go out. You know, in a blaze of glory. That's good. That's the way you got to go out, man. I hope she enjoyed it. Yeah. Look, you don't hear those stories of men that, that <laughs> die having sex. Like, that's how I want to go, right? That's how I want to yeah. go. Um, I, I digress. Yeah, I'm probably going to go on a altered bicycle. <laughs> try, or get sucked into a wing dam in my kayak. Drowned in your kayak. <laughs> yeah. But I don't remember there being a waterfall I mean, here. That'll be stimulating some way just yeah not sexually yeah unless death turns me on i don't right. know yet i haven't been there I'd yet. Be, i don't know i don't i've never this, seen any this, video this, footage this from is, it we haven't smoked anything and this is going in different directions i know <laughs> i know the, un, unfortunately we're both like totally sober right now that that's the thing about my podcast is i like doing podcasts with a few drinks or a little bit of weed it makes the conversation more entertaining well, for our next one but, you know yeah tee it up a little bit yeah it's morning it was morning when we started i know it it is um so i guess in closing we've got a couple minutes here um before we we close this podcast uh if people want to you know connect with you if they're here in kansas city yeah. I, I guess do you do counts i guess you would do counseling now through zoom can you do, long I do distance a lot of counseling? telehealth yeah i can do zoom from anywhere um my office is in overland park resonateclinic.com is our website and you have a lot of therapists there. Um, a, lot of, a lot of great therapists there. Um, neurofeedback, which is great for ADD or anxiety. Therapists who work with couples. We've got a new therapist. She works with um, teenage girls and a lot of their issues. So just a great, great team. And you're teaching breath work now, right? Or I'm no? doing, yeah, I'm doing a, a method. It's called Comprehensive Resource Method, which is, a, which is therapy. Not only for trauma, it's really therapy to help people live more from their core self than from their traumatized, fearful um, selves. And okay. so it involves breath work. It involves just in, lots of internal resourcing. Yep. And I'm excited about it. Cool. Awesome. Well, Grant, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast and um, everyone listening. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We'll definitely do this again. But if you're listening and uh, need uh, to talk to someone, make sure to give Grant uh, a look up and uh connect with i have them. email too now i have a new email uh gw11 no gw514 at protonmail.com sounds good thanks grant appreciate it